0: As we gather here today, we look at one of the most famous and wonderful chapters of the New Testament, Luke, the 15th chapter. In this chapter, we only deal with two elements of it, the third being the great son and father story. The first is about the lost sheep and the lost coin. This is called by John Wesley, the divine lost and found chapter of the scripture, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders." and rejoices and when he comes home he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need repentance or that or it's what woman having 10 silver coins if she loses one of them does not light a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done this is a part that I remember well in seminary because I always enjoyed the parables of Jesus. In the parables of Jesus, we, we hear stories that have eternal truths to them. And in this chapter, 15th chapter, we are seeing three great parables about the nature of God, how God loves us, how God seeks us out. God, he, deserves, he saves us, he makes us one of his own carries us on his shoulders. Now, there's been debate about the nature of the parable. Is it a truth? Is it an allegory? I mean, why did Jesus use parables? The answer is obvious. Uh, Jesus doesn't make things up, so everything he is based in truth because he is the truth, he is the life, he is Christ. So these stories, are stories they're not stories just about someone in the past or some event in the past. They're stories really about us because they project into the future. Now, he had not only his followers following him, but he had the complainers following him. Grumbled. What people grumble, uh, grumble, grumble, grumble. They seem to grumble. Um, there's some Carolina fans now grumbling. We didn't have enough time, you know, on that game. And there's others that are grumbling because their team lost. Uh, all throughout history, there's been people who have grumbled. And they're saying this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with verse near to listen. Okay, I can just speak louder. I'm a preacher. I can do that. But I don't shout a lot. Oh, my. Maybe. Okay. Mercy. I think I stirred everybody up here. Okay, let's calm this thing down and get back to the word because that's really what's important here. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen. So not only were the people who were against Jesus, but the people who need Jesus. Now, which category do you find yourself in? (laughs) Um, I'm in the category that needs Jesus. I need Christ. And so they come to him, and Jesus is speaking not the parables only to the ones who are lost, but also the ones who are found. So he told them his parable in the third verse, and he uses this great story And he told them, which of you, having a hundred sheep, losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. In this third and fourth verse, we hear this ancient story, really the story of every shepherd, because shepherds are in constant uh, need to find sheep. Sheep constantly get lost. I remember years ago when I was at the Holy Land, I was... uh, there at the mountain called Armageddon there in the plains of Jezreel. And I was looking out into the distance over the mountain where a Solomon stable they found in archaeological digs. And there was a young shepherd boy standing on top of a little hill. And I said, isn't that something? And I took a picture of him because it was straight out of the Bible times. This young boy dressed in uh, you, you know, the garb of a shepherd with a big staff. And I remember I looked at him, and he had his sheep around him, such a beautiful picture. And then I looked a little uh, sort of distance away, and there was a cliff. And I noticed at the bottom of the cliff, there was blood, and there was a dead sheep. And apparently, he had lost a sheep, and the sheep had wandered too close to the edge and had fallen to his death. So for this shepherd, this young boy... It wasn't just a matter of a job, it was a matter of life and death. And I remember that because here I am on the plains of Jezreel where the final battle of Armageddon is supposed to be fought. And I'm looking at really something that I have to ask my brother is that really there? Am I seeing something that's actually happening? And he said, Yeah, there's a dead sheep. And I said, Isn't that something? How many souls are going to be lost? So Jesus is using a story based upon real-life experience of the people he's speaking to, and he's speaking about the hundred sheep. Now, if you notice, uh, there's little things you can do with the Scripture to help you to understand it better. The first parable deals with the 1%. 101 lost sheep, 1%. The second parable deals with 10%. There's the coins, and one coin is lost. And the third parable deals with 50%. There's two sons and one is lost and one's not. So God is covering us up to 50%. That's a little thing you can look at scripture to help you to understand it, help you understand it better. In other words, remember the thief on the cross, there were two, so 50%. So there seems to be a biblical thing about 50%. In other words, God isn't going to save everybody. It's not 100%. It may be 50%, it may be 10%, it may be 1%. But the majority of people you encounter today, as you get around, go to town, see things, see folks, most will not go to heaven. Just know that. Most will not go to heaven. Just know that. It's not that our God is vindictive and doesn't want them there, In fact, our God seeks them out, but they choose not to go because they live contrary to the Gospel. They're like that sheep who walks too close to the edge and falls to their death. They are perishing. There's a great old hymn that says, Rescue the perishing. See, that's what this whole scripture is about today. So he told them this parable and he says that when the shepherd realizes the one is lost, now we won't get into why the sheep is lost. There's a lot of reasons why sheep can be lost. Sheep are not the smartest of animals. (laughs) Um, And sinners are not the smartest of people. Because sinners constantly, if there's like one rock in the desert, one rock, little pebble in the middle of the desert, the sinner will walk and trip over that one rock. Because sinners do that. Sinners are sinners. That's what they do. They sin. They're lost in sin. They're bound by sin. They make mistakes. So this sheep is lost. We do not know why. But we know what happened. When he then goes and searches for it until he can find it there in the fourth verse and in the fifth verse, when he has found it, he does this wonderful Wonderful action of redemption. He places the sheep upon His shoulders. Lays it on His shoulders there in the fifth verse. In other words, you you know that we uh, want to have independence. In fact, John Wesley said the primary sin is independence from God. Our primary sin is we somehow think we can do this on our own or we got this figured out, or we can make this happen. I can tell you right now, that doesn't work. You know, you're told in psychology there's three stages of our life where we're totally dependent as babies. You know how babies are totally dependent? They have to be fed, they have to be cared for, they have to be nurtured, there needs to be shelter. And then we're uh, in a point of independence where we step out on our own, we go off to college, we have our own way, our own car, Uh, we develop our own relationships. And then finally there's codependence where we need each other and we need someone, a partner, we need a family, we need others in our life. Where the truth is none of those really work. We are totally dependent on God. No matter what the culture says, no matter what individuals think, we are totally dependent on God. We may not think we are, but those are the moments He's carrying us on His shoulders. He is making it possible that we can live the lives. I I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's sad. I know we're broken. I know things aren't fair. I know they're not right. But our God has made it possible for us to be here today. Our culture is trying everything in its power to get us not to be here today. It's given us the freedom of the weekend, the reason we don't need to be here. And yet we choose because of whatever reason, if it be personal choice or family choice or choice of the heart or mind or soul, we are here today because God found us. So when he found it, he laid it on his shoulders, and then God does what God does when a sinner repents. When they have been found, he rejoices. Now, now there's something different going on in the Scripture. There's always something that's more when Jesus says it in the Scripture. And I think what he's really getting at, what he wants us to realize, is that you're special you're special I and you would bring a smile about uh 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 you're special isn't that right aren't you aren't you special you're special uh, i'm 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 picking on my first row here i'm i'm sorry about that i'm special i, I like being special don't you want to be special Everybody here is special. Isn't Miss Charlie special? My Lord, there's no other Miss Charlie I've ever met. Miss Charlie, you're so special. You're so loved. And the reason you're so special is you know everybody else is special. You treat every child like they're special. You're special. You're precious to God. God loves you. Quit fighting. Quit pretending like it can't be. Quit saying I'm not worthy. He chose you. He came looking for you. He wants to know you. He picked you up when you were falling down. He put you on his shoulders. He's carrying you home right now. You are special. I had loving parents who told me that and I didn't want to believe it. They said, you're special, all right, Jerome. You're a mess. You're something else. And that's helped me all throughout my life to know that. But what's helped me more is my God knows I'm special. And you're special. Spring Hill is a special place. See, God is rejoicing when he finds us, because at that moment he claims us, and when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I've been working on this whole new theology now since I've come to Spring Hill. I've gone through different phases of understanding, you know, our nature with God, my relationship with Jesus. I've gone to the cross at Genaluska, as you kids have. I've said many prayers, and I'm now at a point in my understanding of God where uniqueness is a primary importance. Of every person is special in the sight of God. God loves everybody. And this idea of uniqueness is teaching me, showing me the power of how we can transform the with, the with the whole world. Even though it seems like things are dark now, but when it's darkest, the light shines the brightest. Because truth is truth. And what the world needs is more love. So Jesus says, Rejoice in me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. God finds us. He knows where we are. We can't disappear from Him. He finds us. No matter where we are. On a battlefield in Korea, He finds us. At a church at Arapaho on the coast, He finds us. In middle of a storm he finds us no matter where we may be he finds us and he picks us up and he puts us on his shoulders and he says you are mine and I'm taking you home you belong to me in the eternal kingdom you are part of my family I love you you are a royal priesthood I'm going to give you a ring on your finger I'm going to give you a robe on your back you are my child and I love you come on Let's go home together. (laughs) Doesn't that preach? That's so wonderful to hear that. We need that. Because we got people out there who are saying, I don't want to know you. Go and play in the freeway. Leave me alone. You're nobody. You're just a number. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven in the 7th verse. Over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance so jesus takes this first parable of the divine lost and found and he shows us that we are special and he will seek us out no matter where we go and he won't let us fall to our deaths and the second parable the last one we'll look at today the parable of the lost coin now he deals with something of great value this coin that may be part of the dowry of the lady uh, the, who's perhaps poor. We don't know the whole story here. But Jesus tells the story of what woman having ten silver coins. If she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. I, I tell you, it's easy to lose things. You can buy, you know, over at Walmart, you can buy a towel. T-I-L-E. Are or, or y'all familiar with a towel? Uh, A tile is a little indicator that uses your phone and will tell you where the item is you have tiled. Uh, So the tile is helping you to lose, if you lose your keys, you can find it. If you lose yourself, you can find it, I guess, uh, uh, because the tile does that. Well, it doesn't work too good because uh, you have to be around it with a phone and it may have a battery that goes out, and frankly, if you don't pay the bill for the tile, you don't get the service for the tile. See, see, everything comes with a cost. And the truth is we lose a lot of stuff in our life. We lose keys, we lose all kinds of things in our life. I'm still looking for a box from the move. And I know we got a lot of boxes with my daughter's name Hannah on it, but I'm still looking for this one box that's got stuff in it I want, and I don't know where that box went. I'm thinking it may still be on the Outer Banks. I don't know where that box went. I lost that box. It had important, it had a clock from Methodist College that I bought. You know, a clock that on the wall says Methodist College. I wanted to put that up in the office. And I mean, if you see this box, you let me know because I lost this box. So, how many of you have lost something before? I think we all have lost something. Look at that. Uh, how many have lost a pair of glasses and they were on your head the whole time? How many have you done it? See? We, and, and you young people think that's funny. Oh, it's going to happen to you too, Okay. You're going to lose things going to be so obvious that they're right there. Well, here the woman loses something of great value. She loses one of the coins. She loses it and then she panics, it seems to be, and she starts sweeping the whole house. (laughs) She's going to find this coin no matter what because the coin fell somewhere. She's trying to find it. She's looking around the bed. She's looking in the kitchen. She's looking in the being dining room or whatever the rooms are in her house and she searches carefully it says there until she finds it and when she finally finds it she has found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost just so I tell you there's joy in the presence of the angels with God over one sinner who repents. amen Okay, now we'll get to the sermon. That weren't the sermon. Y'all thought that was a sermon. That was a pitiful sermon. Now, I would give that a C minus. Now, the Word was an A+. The Word of God's always an A+. Plus. But the presentation, I didn't get across the points I need to get across. I didn't share what God would have me say through the living Word of the Gospel. I touched on it. For a brief moment, I almost found it, but I lost it again because I started talking about us, how we're lost, and then God finds us. But I went away from that and I got into how we lose things instead of us. Because this scripture isn't about a coin. It's not about a sheep. It's about us. So when you see the world out there, you don't look at them as people. You look at them as lost souls who need Jesus. They need Christ in their life. They need hope. They need reason. They need understanding. They need Christ in their life. They are lost and they need to be found. The whole purpose of the church is to make disciples. To help us be the ones who offer Christ. When I work for the Foundation for Evangelism up well, they were the funders of the ministry I was engaged with up at Lake Junalaska. We have an emblem that we used to use says, Offer them Christ. It's the words of John Wesley before he sent Thomas Coke to the New World to find Francis Asbury. Um, and it says, Offer them Christ. And we had this great sculpture over near Asheville do our uh, sort of stone work on the sign out in front of the foundation building. And it had the picture of Wesley and Thomas Coke. And it says, offer them Christ. And what happened is the sculpture, he sculpted it. It took him months to make it. And then he finally brought it today. And I remember I ran outside the building, me and the staff, and we were looking and all were saying how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is, the sculpture. And I said, no, that's not right. Something's wrong with this. And they said, what's the matter? And I said, "This, this isn't right. And they said, is it not the picture? And I said, it is the picture. But there's one mistake they did. They gave John Wesley a beard. They did. The sculptor, for some reason, thought he was sculpturing Jesus and he gave a beard to John Wesley. And John Wesley never had a beard. He didn't want a beard. He was against a beard. He didn't like beards. Amen. He didn't like his preachers with beards, even if they were halfway beards. And the sculpture put a beard on him. Oh, and they called a big meeting of the foundation. They brought in the funders. The person paid for the sculpture. They all were upset. They were wondering what to do. And they were going to have to have it remade. And they had the dedication of the building. And they said, what are we going to do? And I raised my hand. And they said, what is it, Jerome? I said, let's just shave John Wesley. And they said, what? And I said, let's just shave him. Bring the sculpture up here and chisel the beard off of his face. And that's what they did. <laughs> Except he had a protruding and just a jaw that was stuck out real big. But we got rid of his beard. See, see and they uh, had the big dedication. But if you go up to the foundation now, you won't see that because they put a whole new emblem over the top of that sculpture. They're still trying to hide their mistake. See, we have people that are trying to hide the mistakes. But God not only finds us, He finds our mistakes. He finds our problems. And He doesn't just cover them over. He fixes them. Now, how does He do that? Well, if we don't love enough, He gives us a heart that loves. If we don't care enough, He makes us care enough. If we don't think enough, He challenges us to learn more. God fixes our mistakes and makes us where we're able to live in the gospel that we're called to live. Now, now how do we go about doing that? According to the Scripture, we need to let God do the heavy lifting. We need to let God carry the burden. So no matter what the burden is, if it's health-wise, if it's relationship-wise, if it's financial-wise, if it's life-wise, if it's personal-wise, no matter what it is, let God carry the heavy burden. Let him carry the weight. You're saying, well, I'm supposed to carry the weight. It's my weight. No, it's not your weight. Who do you think you are? You think you can carry this yourself? You cannot carry this yourself. This sorrow, this sadness, this anger, this remorse you have, this burden, this fear that you have, you can't carry it yourself. It's too heavy. It'll make the strongest of men become very small. Remember my uncle, big tall man, six foot four, his name was Dayton. He drove a trailway bus for 20 years. Dayton, um, they even they even gave him a screen test to be the alternate in the rifleman because he looked like Chuck Connor. He's big, tall, strapping, handsome man. And I remember the day that his daughter died, my cousin, Angelica. And when she died, it was such a sad day. And I remember Dayton, who had always been so strong, that day was so weak. And it struck me that how he had always been in charge and been always able and willing to be a hero now was just a broken man. And I told him, I said, it's going to be all right, Dayton. You don't need to worry. God has this thing. And he said, I don't know club. That's what he called me, club. That was his nickname. Gave everybody a nickname. He said, I don't know. I don't know. She's too young. I said, but God, God is in this. God, God will help us. We'll get through this. He said, I don't know, Club. This, this is hard. This is hard. I'm a, I've, I've dealt with everything. I've done everything. And I can't, I can't control this. I can't stop this. And I said, you just got to let God take this from you. I said, Uncle Dayton, you just got to let God take this from you. Some burdens are pretty heavy to carry. And if you try to carry them, they'll weigh you down your whole life. You'll become bitter. And you'll feel like that nobody cares. Well, the Master's come to find you. And he's found you. And now he wants to lift you up and put you on His shoulders. He wants to take you home. That's a wonderful thing. That's one of those moments in life that you, uh, you know you're special. First time I came back from college, um, yeah, I did go to my room and they had packed all my stuff. Yeah, that really happened. <laughs> um, I'm still dealing with that, okay? I, I'm still... But the rest of the story, I hadn't told you. When I went back downstairs to go down there and bemoan my new uh, relationship, apparently, my mama had cooked some chicken. She had made some mashed potatoes and rice, double level starch, with biscuits. I'm making you hungry now. And hungry's two words, not one. Two words, hungry. And she said, come on and eat. She said, you're my sunshine, Jerome. You're my sunshine. And I said, I I don't know if I'm sunshine. And She she said, you're my sunshine. I'm so glad to have you home. And my daddy went in there and said, boy, I'm so proud of you going to the college of great minds. And you're learning all. I'd only been there a week. And he treated me like I knew a lot already. And he said, let's sit down and eat. And we sat down and we ate. And I realized I was precious. I was special. See, that's the real story. Because when he finds us, he doesn't just yank us up and says, I'm taking you home. He puts you on his shoulders. He gently places you there and he brings you home. And then once he gets there, then he has a party. That's what he does in this Scripture, all three elements of it. And the final story even has a big party with the sons and the older son is not happy about it and the younger son can't believe that he's so loved because he didn't know who his father was like the sheep didn't know who the shepherd was, like the coin didn't know who owned it. We lose sight of truly who has us in his heart. Now, some would dispute this and say that the God, the Creator, doesn't care about us. But I'll remind you of that great Scripture that we all know. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So which one are you? Are you independent? Out there fighting a good fight? Are you Invictus? Thinking you can make it on your own. I used to think I was a rebel without a cause. That's when I rode a motorcycle in college. I had this thing about the 50s. I was in the 80s, but I had this thing where I was in the 50s in my mind, and I looked like the 50s, I dressed like the 50s, I acted like the 50s. That was until I met Leona, and she straightened me up. She helped me to realize it wasn't the 50s. And I was a rebel for reasons I could not figure out. Perhaps I didn't want to walk in my father's shadow. Perhaps I Wanted to do my own thing. Thanks be to God that I realized that my own thing, it's okay, but God is more. I realized that His kingdom is greater. And no matter what mountain I chose to climb, He made the mountain. <laughs> so if you really want to be who you are, do not choose to take your own steps but take the step He would have you take and be the child of God. And that's what these parables are about. Jesus is making it clear that we are called to this holy relationship. Now, our final hymn today, we're going to do a video. Is that right, Brad? And we're going to stand and sing with this video. Are the words on the video? Okay. So let's